I'm Terry Clark, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, Country Gold Backstage. You're listening to Country Gold. I'm Terry Clark, and joining me is Hall of Fame member Ray Stevens. Ray, thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. You know, you're a legend, and I was at your Hall of Fame induction for the Country Music oh, Hall of yeah. Fame. When you were, yes, I was in the audience. Uh, saw you get inducted, and I loved Ricky Skaggs getting up there doing Misty, and, and then they also inducted Brooks and Dunn that night. It was just a really great memory. What, what did that feel like, having all these people honoring you? Well, it, it was kind of surreal, if you want to know the truth. I, uh, uh, I guess I was in a semi-state of shock. I don't know, but uh, it was great. I enjoyed every minute of it. What was your favorite part of that night? Oh gosh, I guess maybe uh, the uh, the girls that got up and sang "Jesus Loves the Little Children" uh, prior to "Everything Is Beautiful," and uh, oh man, they were the audience was electrified, and I was too by that. It, it sounded so good. It did. It was an amazing performance, um, and I have to imagine it's surreal being inducted into the, into the Country Music Hall of Fame and. Um, I loved being a part of that because I grew up listening to you. I grew up on your music, um, you know, listening. You, you are known as the most successful country comedy performer, I think, of all time. And there have been a lot of people try and follow in your footsteps, but I don't think they've sold the albums you have. And I don't think that they have had the kind of success you've had. So congratulations on an amazing <laughs> career. Well, thank you. I, uh, I'm not sure you're accurate, but um, sounds good. Thanks. <laughs> You're releasing a lot of new music this year. You've got four albums uh, of timeless songs coming out. Let, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I've been in the studio for quite some time, just doing recording what I wanted to do. And I uh, I had concepts for each album uh, going in and uh, I, I, I cut four albums. So it's uh, like 12 sides each, 48 sides. Wow. And, uh, and each album is packaged in its own, you know, cover and all. And then I'm going to put all four together and call it uh, uh, icons, iconic songs of the 20th century, the soundtrack of our lives, so to speak. And uh, I'm in the studio now recording another four albums that'll round it out and hopefully hit every decade in the 20th century with uh, uh, the songs that are included. So... I'm looking forward to finishing that up and being able to put out um, volume one is uh, what we're calling this uh, iconic songs of the 20th century volume one. And then I'll be able to supplement that with volume two. So how on earth do you choose songs? For I just choose what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you like. Right. You know, I That's think it. I think if you like it, most people are also going to like it, especially your fans. I, I just don't know how you, if that's a massive project, that's a huge undertaking. And to, um, to narrow down songs in this century, there are so many great ones that that's got to be a daunting task. Well, I've got more time than I used to have because I'm not on the <laughs> road anymore. You know, the, since COVID hit, uh, nobody's on the road anymore, hardly. And uh, I, uh, in preparation for not going on the road, uh, early on, I built a cabaret. Uh, gosh, I guess it's been four or five years ago, maybe six, I don't know. But uh, you've heard of the cabaret, I hope. 
I have cabaret, and and that is a very clever way of spelling it. C a b a r a y. I like that. Well, I'm just ignorant. I didn't know how to spell it, really. <laughs> no, yes, you did. <laughs> you sure did. I think that I think it's brilliant, and um, I know that you've actually had a lot of really great uh, guests uh, join you in your new theater in West Nashville. You host it's it's a dinner show, right? And well, host- it, it's it can be. Yeah, we're geared for that. Uh, <clears throat> I when I was uh, working the road pretty pretty heavily, I used to play Vegas some and i my favorite place to play out there was a place called the desert inn and it's no longer there they tore it down but uh the room there that i worked uh i love the feel of the room and so i tried to steal some of the ideas out of that room the celebrity room i think it was called oh yes exactly and uh and incorporate uh, some of the things from that into the cabaret and uh, it, it turned out pretty good i think well, I think I know what it looks like because I think I've played the same room in Vegas that you're talking. Well, maybe about. it was called the Crystal Room. I can't. Celebrity, remember. Crystal, or Celebrity? Well, they both start with a C. That's right. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what confused me. Well, you know, I think it's pretty amazing, and, and some of the guests you've had in there: Dina Carter, Steve Warner, and, and who I'm sure, um, you know, talks about Chet Atkins all the time. My buddy Mark Wills appeared there, and you you do a TV series from there as well, right? Yeah, we uh, started the TV show before the cabaret was built, and we used to shoot it down in a little uh, video studio that I had on 17th Avenue South, Music Row. But uh, as soon as the cabaret was finished, why we moved over and began shooting the show at the cabaret, and it's called uh, Ray Stevens' Cabaret Nashville is the name of the show, and uh, it's a lot of fun to shoot it, and it looks really good in the cabaret. We built in lights and sound for uh, the purpose of shooting a television show as well as live performances. So it's really uh, turned out well. So did you record your new music in your the- your new theater? Well, I recorded it in a studio that is uh, adjacent to the theater in the same building. And uh, the uh, uh, I built a studio when I sold my offices on Music Row, I, I had a couple of studios down there. And as soon as I sold them, it wasn't a couple, couple of weeks and they had torn them down. So I had to have another studio oh. and I built one here at the Cabaret and it sounds really good. I uh, enjoy working here. Who are some of the other guests that you've had on the on the show and at the Cabaret? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I lose track. It's uh, hmm. Well, I wish I hadn't asked that. I, <laughs> That's okay. We can edit I'm, if you I'm, can. I'm having a mental block here. But totally uh, John agree. Schneider was on. Uh, uh, Mo Bandy. Oh, man. Uh, who else? Mickey Dolan. Mickey Dolan's of the nice. uh, Monkees. He was on. Uh, I got to tell you. I got to tell you a story. The last time I saw John Schneider, I embarrassed myself so bad because I... I used to watch the Dukes of Hazard when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old and had the biggest crush on Bo Duke. So here I am, you know, uh, a much older person and an adult. And he showed up like at a John Barry TV taping a couple of years ago. And I literally stood there googly eyed. I, I, I couldn't even speak. I, I just reminded myself of a 13 year old uh, 
adolescent girl and I don't know what happened. Something happened to me when he walked in the room. <laughs> it was the strangest thing. He's a handsome guy, that's for sure. Yeah, he's held out pretty good, hasn't he? He's still he sure has. <laughs> Uh, well, that is so wonderful. I love I love all the guests you've had on your show and you sing and play with them, too. And and it's like a big collaborative thing, isn't it? Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy uh, playing uh, with other playing piano with uh, other people and doing their material. Uh, if they'll uh, if they'll let me, I'll do it. Well, you've actually played on sessions uh, for a few people that we may recognize some of these names. You played piano with Elvis Presley? No, I played trumpet. Charlie McCoy, <laughs> Charlie McCoy and I uh, were booked to, to, as, you know, just extra musicians, anything we, they needed. We were there and they, they wanted to do a song that had the twin trumpets like Herb Alpert, you know, Mexican sound. Yeah. And so Charlie and I had trumpets and we went to the trunks of our cars, brought in our trumpets and, uh, played uh, this one one or two songs with uh, it's not something you expect to hear well let, uh, we need trumpet on this well hold on a second i'll just go to my car and get one <laughs> only in well Nashville. we used to we used to carry all these instruments in the trunks of our cars because uh who knows what anybody would want and that was our excuse for being on the session and well, getting paid Right. And that's the cheapest cartage fee I've ever heard of. Instead, of yeah. these, these people bring your instruments. Usually in Nashville, for those listening, cartage is a company that, you know, you store your instruments for sessions. If you're a session player in these in these buildings and they bring them to each session so you don't have to cart them there yourself. And so, Ray Stevens, you, sh you should have started your own. Uh, you should have started cartage back then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I should have. I missed the uh, ball on that one. Yeah, no. Well, I think you've done all right. You produced Dolly Parton in her in the early days of her career. I definitely want to talk about that. I did not know that. Well, I did her, her first sessions and uh, that's, it was a lot of fun. Uh, now, I think we cut some great records, but they didn't make it. You know, they were they were considered too pop, I think. But I don't know. They're, they're still good, though. Well, I, I would, I'm going to go dig around for those. I would love to hear them. And you've recorded with Waylon Jennings in his early days as well. That's yeah, I'm singing harmony with him on uh, Only Daddy Make You Walk the Line or what is Only Daddy That'll Walk the Line. Yeah, that right. That's me on top, straining every nerve. Oh, that's you? Yeah. I love, I love that harmony part. Okay, well, we're going to play it now. I love. I did not know that was you. I'm learning a lot today i did not know uh, that was you. you well i used to make a living playing on sessions as a not only a musician but a background singer and uh you know i worked with the jordan airs a lot and when one of those one of the jordan airs would get sick or something i'd fill in so it was a lot of fun back in those days and i learned a lot i'd moved to nashville in 62 and uh came up here primarily to to be on recording sessions and I got sidetracked when I started having hit records. So, you know. Well, well, that's a bummer. <laughs> you yeah. got sidetracked when you started having hit records. Speaking of records uh, and, and the pandemic, you know, uh, you released the quarantine song in May of last year, which kind of was at the beginning of this thing. And it's hilarious. I listened to it. It talks about all the TV you're watching. <laughs> I think we've all been watching a lot of TV this past year. Oh, man. Uh, it's very well written and it, and it's fun. You know, you, uh, you are known for just the cleverest lyrics and 
Um, so anybody who wants to hear new Ray Stevens, go listen to the quarantine song. You'll, you'll, you'll chuckle. Well, you know, I, with that, I didn't write that now, a friend of mine, buddy Kalb wrote that. And he also wrote the Mississippi squirrel revival song for me. But, uh, that song was written on the spur of the moment. I was booked to do a guest shot on Larry Black's country diner. And this was back when you couldn't get together. So we did everybody uh, got their own camera and we all did a zoom compilation, compilation. How do you say that? Compilation. Compilation. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and, um, I was just in the studio, uh, and buddy wrote the song the day before. And so I went in and cut a track and sang to it. And it was just a, a, a fluke, uh, that it was a big hit, but I guess it struck a nerve. Speaking of striking nerves, uh, we're in a bit of a, a, a different place in time with po political correctiveness these days. And some of the songs that were really successful for you, one in particular, I don't I don't know if in this day and age would fly songs like Ahab the Arab and Bridget the Midget, <laughs> songs like that, because we've just reached a point in time where I, I think everybody is, you know, obviously on a different page with all of that. What are, I mean, I mean, is it, I'm, I'm happy that they came out when they did is what I'm trying to get at because I don't know if we would have them or not. Yeah, that's true. Uh, people are so, I don't know. I don't understand what their thinking is because uh, some guy on uh, one of the cable TV sh uh, news shows called Ahab the Arab racist. And there's nothing at all racist about Ahab the Arab. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I read a book called Tales from the Arabian Nights. And it had stories in there like Alibaba and the 40 Thieves and the phrase open sesame and, you know, things like that. So I wrote this song the night before the session about Ahab the Arab. And it was just a little story. And uh, sure enough, uh, it was a big hit. But lately, people have taken every opportunity it seems to me to call anything racist and they don't even bother to check into it or listen to it or anything else i hear you i hear you you know uh i know you that you had a theater in branson and as did mel tillis and i'm actually touring now with his daughter pam and she says that her father really enjoyed being in branson what are your thoughts on on playing branson Branson was great. I enjoyed it. Um, it was very, uh, very successful. We used to, uh, sell, uh, two sell out two shows a day, 2000 seats every day, two shows a day, six days a week. That's how hot Branson was. And, uh, it was just a lot of fun. Of course it, it was tiring because you do 12 shows in a week. You're ready to lie down on Sunday and uh, rest a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, speaking of, you know, you're a member of the Hall of Fame. We recently lost Hall of Famer Charlie Pride, who you also had on your TV show. Yes. Um, can you yes. speak to the, the gentleman that Charlie was and his talent and what he meant to our industry? Well, you know, he was a sort of a, uh, a groundbreaker as far as crossing over uh, black country singers were not very prevalent when Charlie came along, but uh, he was just charming and very lovable and very talented and did a great job and uh, everybody loved him. You know, he sold more records on RCA than Elvis. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that either. You're, you're, I didn't either till he was on the show. And wow. uh, I found that out myself, you know, when Charlie was a guest on the TV show. 
I'm learning a lot during this interview, Ray. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I do want to know because you, you are a, such a hilarious guy and have such a great sense of humor. Can you remember the best prank you've ever pulled on somebody on the road or the best prank that was ever pulled on you? Oh, no, I guess I don't think I can. I, I, I guess I block those things out. I don't know. Or an audience member that stands out, did something during a show or anything like that, because I know that people want to hear about that stuff. If you can remember it, if not, we can edit this out. Well, when the streak was a big hit, I got streaked a lot. And that was fun, you know, uh, to see uh, pretty girls running through the audience with no clothes. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Sure. Well, nowadays you just go to a festival and look out in the audience and you can see all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Or you can go to Mardi Gras. You, you no know, kidding. They've been doing it for years. Well, I am, I am so honored to be talking to you and um, how have you been doing during the quarantine? What have you been doing to keep yourself busy? I, I obviously all these albums that you're producing and putting out are, are keeping you probably pretty busy, but yeah, I've been in the studio a lot and uh, I'm, I'm remodeling an old house that I bought. Uh, nice. So I enjoy that, you know, and I've been doing that and, you know, trying to keep busy. That's fun to do, isn't it? I'm a bit of a, uh, yeah. I'm a bit of a remodeler myself. And some people think I've got real estate addiction problems, but um, I'm remodeling an old house right now too. And it's a lot of fun. You open the walls up in a house like that and realize that it was on fire at one time when you <laughs> see the framework. Uh, but it's, it's a fun thing to do and a fun project. And I'm glad that you're staying busy and soon enough, hopefully we'll be able to get back out there and play for people. Right. Well, soon I'll be able hopefully to open the cabaret back up and, uh, start doing shows here i hope we're we're shooting excuse me we're shooting for uh this summer and uh latest fall so uh hopefully we can open up june or july but it might be september before we can get open i don't know we're kind of testing the waters uh people are still i think a little reticent a little hesitant to go out in a big crowd uh the they're afraid they might get, get, get the COVID. So I can't blame them for that, but I think it's loosening up, especially with the vaccines that are. Out. Yes, indeed it is. It is. And uh, my hope is to be back out on the road in July or August myself. So hopefully, um, and, and I would love to come in uh, and uh, hang out with you at cabaret at some point too. I would be honored to do that. So oh, we'd love to have you. Well, thank you so much, Ray Stevens. It's an honor to talk to you on Country Gold. Folks can get more information about your four new albums, your cabaret theater, your PBS TV show, and everything else at raystevens.com. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Country Gold, Ray. Thank you, Terry. Country Gold with Terry Clark. I'm Terry Clark, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, Country Gold Backstage. You're listening to Country Gold. I'm Terry Clark, and joining me this week is a guy I've toured with. And uh, as we're getting ready to roll tape here, he's making jokes about some of the things he discovered about me on tour. Toby Keith, hey, it's good to speak with you again. The first thing you said to me was, can I bum a dip? <laughs> yeah, can I bum a dip? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't dip anymore. I know, but you always had fresh enough. <laughs> I did. I did. So how are you doing? Uh, I haven't talked to you in a while. and I'm great. As we speak, you're back on the road. I am. I'm actually in Minnesota tonight, and which is cool the way the technology is because usually when I had to do these for years, you had to go in a studio somewhere. I'm actually just sitting on my bus. 
So that's it's convenient. Groovy. I know. Groovy. You've got a great. You got a great bus. Uh, you know, I want. I want you to just like compare this year to last year, and it's. It must feel like night and day. It does to all of us. But you've toured nonstop since I've known you, and the first time I heard of you, you've been on the road for years and years and years, and it must have been really odd to come to a screeching halt the way we all did. It was really odd. Um, I had actually backed my tours down from, uh, I gave them June 1st to Halloween, and I said, I'll work everything you want to work in there, but I don't want to do jack after and diddly mm-hmm. squat, nothing. And so we finished up, I actually had, uh, I am a uh, ambassador, celebrity ambassador on the Breeders' Cup board for horse racing. And the Breeders' Cup was in November, and I actually had a back-to-back couple dates during the Breeders' Cup, and we hadn't worked since Halloween, but they were November 11th, 12th, something like that. And I said, I'll do these two dates. And then we took off, and I went to Cabo, like I always do, and we were cruising along in March, and all my friends down there, a bunch of, bunch of Americans, Canadian friends of mine, Everybody's going, we're back to the States, we're back to Canada, because everything's getting ready to shut down, we want to make sure and get back in. I was like, see y'all, I'm going to stay right here. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a forced reset button, but it was like, after a while, it was just like, you wake up and all of a sudden your mind's not cluttered with the music industry. You're just going, wow, I'm just a guy that's alive and breathing and, and, and I can just chill. And because whether you know it or not, when you're working, you still have the word work. Even when you're not on stage and stuff, you, you still got stuff to do. And none of that existed. And it was freaking nice. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. When when you're a, when you're just constantly putting out records and touring one after the other, um, it, it there there is a side to it. So many people went through such hardship through this. But there's a side to it for some of us, I think, that we wouldn't have uh voluntarily done it but it you know it sounds right. like you uh you actually found a silver lining in it which is amazing well i couldn't have been in a safer place yeah well absolutely did you stay in cabo the entire time i stayed from uh i was there about a month before it started and i was there till june so i was there like january till middle of june and i mean it's just you got the water, you got your golf, you got all the places you would go eat have outdoor seating. The weather's what, 68 to 72, you know, maybe mm-hmm. 75. And you just, you, you know, all middle of the night, it's never gets colder than 68. And you, you're outdoor, you're, you're not gonna, you're less likely to, tra- to, uh, to get um, COVID, contract COVID sitting outside. So we were predominantly outside, and I was like, I go home, I'm just going to be at the ranch. You can't go to town, everything's closed, you know. And it was just everything was at my feet there, and I just said, why would I leave here? Well, locked down in paradise comes to mind, and you you chose a good place to to hang it, you know, and just be there. Yeah. Yeah, which brings me to my next question. So you, um, you've just released a new album called Peso in My Pocket, and I can't believe it's the first album of new material in more than five years because you've, you've constantly put music out um, over the years. So yeah. can you talk about the making of the record yeah. and how much of this came about during 2020 when we were kind of you know 
horse yeah. off the road? Well, uh, the word I kept hearing was comfort music. People started after they had been locked down. They started um, like the streaming stuff. The numbers started going up on well-known artists, and they were saying it's you know it's a thing called comfort music. They want to hear comfort music, comfort voices, and some really big, influential, mighty program directors started uh, calling my office and and saying, hey, would you consider putting an album out? And I was like, well, you didn't play the last one in 05 or 06. And I'd, they'd always played my stuff. I mean, I never had, you know, I never had any problems at getting airplay. And I thought, well, this isn't what I'm writing. You know, first you start thinking, am I, am I not writing as good as I used to? What's going on? And it was absolutely nothing to do with that. It's just the music had changed so much that they just weren't playing that style of music anymore. And then through the last four or five years, I've got buddies that do that kind of music. They're real good friends of mine. And they would say, let's write a song. And it just felt a little forced to me. It didn't, I don't write that kind of music very good. So I was like, you know, I'm not gonna, it takes me a year to compile enough songs, write enough songs to feel comfortable about going and doing an album. So I always had my rotation. I'd turn the album in and start on the new one. And I was like, I just want to enjoy the six months I do have off that I've been humping for, you know, busting my hump for years. So I just want to enjoy that and not have to worry about hitting deadlines and stuff and spend a lot of time writing. And so I did. I just backed off of it. And then the, I would have probably put something out um, around inside of 2020, but then the pandemic hit. So that's where the five years came from. It had been two or three years, four years, and boom, the pandemic hit. And then somewhere in the pandemic, I started getting the call. They were like, no, 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 we'll... I go, I don't think you'll play this kind of music. Well, I put the project out and they're playing it. So maybe it was just, maybe they just needed a, uh, maybe they just needed time out. <laughs> Well, I, I got to say, you know, my first record came out in 1995 and most artists have a shelf life. You know, they, they have an expiration date with radio anyway. I mean, you can go play your hits forever and people are going to show up to hear them. But I don't know very many artists that came out in the early 90s that can debut on the charts with their highest debut <laughs> in, in 2021. Um, that that's really impressive, Toby, and I'm really happy for you. And I, and it's it's an anomaly and not not something that happens very often. And I know you realize that. And uh, it's quality music. And obviously, uh, you haven't burned bridges, and you've always put out quality music. And radio obviously wanted it. So congratulations. Well, thank you, Terry. It's nice to say. I just um, my I have a very loyal, strong fan base. Uh, my 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 music followers. Have, have uh, the same ones that you saw when you were out on tour with us are still here today. And um, when I came back from the pandemic, people weren't going to movies. We didn't know what to expect. You know, we, are people still going to go see concerts? Are concerts going to be relevant? Is it all going to be canned music? What's the deal? We have absolutely killed it out here. And uh, it's, uh, it's great to see people back out there just going nuts. And uh, it's, been, it's been a very wonderful revival that's amazing that is that sounds amazing i would love to see it 
the uh, I do want to talk before we have to go. I want to talk about the fact that a few months ago you received the Merle Haggard Spirit Award, and to me, Merle Haggard personally was the the full package. He was the real deal, great yeah. singer, great songwriter. I I mean, probably my favorite of the classic artists. And how special is that to have an award with his name on it that that you received? That had to have been pretty cool. So he was so important to me as a youth because my dad. I had music on all the time. He was a big Bob Wills, Texas Playboy fan, but he did have Hag. And so of all the stuff that I thought he did that was cool to me was Hag. And so once I started writing songs as a teenager and stuff, I started wanting to follow that pattern. I thought, man, I want to write my own songs, sing my own songs, be that guy. I got to Nashville and was just couldn't wait to meet him. And I was hoping that he wasn't going to be like when you meet your heroes and they don't live up to your expectations. He took me right in, probably as much or more than anybody, um, and was probably as close to a father figure as you can have inside the industry. Uh, I mean, obviously, like Harold Shedd, who was at Mercury, he signed me, and he's definitely a father figure. But as an artist goes and a songwriter goes, Hag always took me under his wing and propped me up and made me feel special. And uh, I felt like one of his boys. And so to get the Merle Haggard Spirit Award was like, you kidding me? Absolutely, this is, you know, this is up there with Songwriter Hall of Fame and BMI stuff to me. And yeah, you're going into the Songwriter, the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame next month, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, it was that stuff there, Terry, you know, that's the other stuff is trophies and their industry and their politics and all the crap goes on there. But this is what I came to do. You know what I mean? I I wrote songs and if I would have never sang my songs, I would have still been a songwriter and somebody else would have recorded all these songs. So the artist that I've become was very fortunate to have that guy writing for him. And that writer was very fortunate to have this guy delivering his songs. But um, God blessed, you know, he blessed me with, uh, with uh, the ability and, and the work ethic to, uh, I mean, I put an album out every single year for the first 20 years. I think I had a number one every year. And uh, it's, you're running homegrown horses. You're not going in and cherry picking songs from the greatest writers in the world. and putting albums out when I raced when I'm competing against Tim and Kenny and George and all the cats on the radio in my day I was you know I was running my own thoroughbreds and uh, it was it was a it was a wonderful uh, experience well the great thing about being a songwriter like you are is that you know like this is this is uh, you're always going to be able to write those songs it's not like people are going to stop pitching you really great songs when you're not on the charts anymore because you can just write them yourself i mean you know it's it's uh yeah but i i personally can't hear anybody else doing your songs but you because you have such a definitive brand and such a, a swagger and way about you that delivers those songs that i to me it's they're just toby keith songs but you're probably right i'm sure somebody else would have cut them because they're hit songs or hit songs right yeah, and they probably would have delivered them a little different. 
I wanted to, um, I just wanted to bring up one more thing before we go, because I know we're running short on time. We talked to Clay Walker a couple months ago and your name came up and I actually golfed with Clay, uh, last spring and I was horrible. He was trying to give me lessons and I seized up. I got a case of the yips and I couldn't golf at all, but he's also, um, (laughs) your record label and golfing buddy. And his new album is really good. He played me a few tracks that day. And, uh, what's it like working with Clay and, uh, I, I think it's awesome that you're signing people from our era and giving them a shot at some new music. Well, he's um, Clay's Clay's a hard worker. He's come a long way. He's uh, he's had obviously some struggles in his personal in his uh, physical life and stuff, and uh, and so when it came it came around um, and he was looking for a record deal, I was like, he's got a, he's got his album in the can. He's ready to go. He sings great. Uh, he still sings just as great as ever. He's passionate about songwriting and and and, uh, and, and lyric and uh, and country music. You know what I mean? He's passionate about it. And uh, and I and even though I knew him and was around him a lot, I didn't know his soul. I didn't know. And he was like. You know, if you just give me the opportunity, I'll do everything the label asked me to do because I don't need the money. I need this. You know what I mean? I need this fulfillment. And I was like, if I'm going to sign a sign an act, it's going to be this one. So um, I just I just said, yeah, it's a go. And I green lighted it. And uh, a funny thing about him is we were he came in and played at my uh, big fundraiser for the OK Kids Corral, the lodge we built in Oklahoma City across the street from the Children's Medical Center. We were having our fundraiser and he was playing, he was up there playing and backstage we got talking about a song and another artist, he said, I told him I'd written this song one time and this artist put it on hold and we found out I wrote it, he wouldn't record it. And he goes, well, what's the song? And I started singing it to him and he looked at me like, with an unbelievable look, and I thought, what? And he goes, did you go have vocal lessons? And I go, no. And he goes, you, f- you sure? I said, no. He goes, you freaking sing. I never knew you could sing like that. I'm like, I'm thinking, do my records suck? <laughs> What's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> but he was, he was blown away that, <laughs> he was blown away that just in an acoustic, vocal performance me just showing him the song that he was like well dude he said I've had vocal lessons but I never knew you could sing like that and I'm sitting there in my mind I'm thinking well he's heard my songs <laughs> you know they're on the radio he's heard them so I don't I don't know but anyway we cut up have fun he's he's a good little dude man he Terry he's a really great <laughs> good kid. little dude a great guy. <laughs> Well, compared to you, he's a little dude, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I, I just want—I yeah. do want to add that yeah. I listened to the um, Happy Birthday America track and watched the video, and you do sound better than ever. Like, that song in particular, I was, like, blown away with how perfect it was and how great it sounded. So um, you're, you're, uh, you're, well, you're definitely you. not losing any ground there, Toby. Thank you. Are you doing any projects? Am I, I? I haven't recorded anything recently, but uh, hey, if you're looking for a female hat act for any reason, I'm still out here doing what I do and loving what I do. <laughs> oh my gosh! But uh, let's do lunch. I would, I would absolutely love to. And um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll get my number to, to your people. But I do want to thank you so much right, right now for, for everything you've, uh, you've contributed to country music. And I want to thank you for doing Country Gold. And let everybody know that you're on the road right now. And for all your dates, folks can go to tobykeith.com. The new album is Peso in My Pocket, Screaming Up the Charts, available everywhere now. And I want to thank you, Toby Keith, for joining me this week on Country Gold. Thank you, Terry. You have a good one, Toby. Country Gold with Terry Clark. Titus and Tate, a podcast from two obsessed basketball lovers. Why would Roy Williams not coach the JV team at North Carolina? That would be That's great. how he started, right? Yeah. Brings it full circle. Yeah. Who do they play, by the way? Do they play Donda Academy in them? I think so. They play overtime. <laughs> they do yeah. There aren't that many JV teams left. They play like high school. They play like Oak Hill. They play like Montverde. <laughs> and then he starts like competing against Hubert for Carolina Yeah, players. they're like five-star signing to our JV team. <laughs> More than just analysts and stats. Titus and Tate, listen wherever you get your podcasts. Got a lot of things to do in this world. Got a lot of things to do in this world. Got a lot of things to do in this world. Got a lot of things to do in this world. I love myself now. Got a lot of things to do in this world. I love myself. When you're chugging through life, sometimes you just want to stop. So stop. Even if it's not a good time, there's never a good time. Let's do it anyway. Stop all the chugging in your world and start sipping with the people in it. Lipton. Stop chugging. Start sipping. Touch after touch, bacteria in your home never stops. That's why Microband 24 doesn't just sanitize and stop. It keeps killing bacteria for 24 hours. Spray on hard surfaces to kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria initially, including the COVID-19 virus. Once dry, Microband forms a shield that keeps killing bacteria for 24 hours, touch after touch. Don't just sanitize. Keep killing bacteria for 24 hours with Microband 24.